been, we've been on a journey. You are on a journey. I love it when we get together as a church and the, the, the Bible is just, it's so relevant to like our now and our today. And this is, this is who God is because he's a real God. He engages with you in your life in real ways. Now I know even as I say that, there are some people that are like, I don't, I don't see it and I do not feel it. That's why we sing some of the things we sing. We sing the word of God back to him. When we seek the Lord, he comes to us. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. And we say that to ourselves. We say it, maybe we need to say it more times than just one. We need to repeat that. And we need to be reminding ourselves in the deepest parts of who we are that if we seek the Lord, he will hear us and he's a real God and he'll engage with us. He cares about your struggles and your trials. He knows your story. He knows when you're stuck in your story. Maybe you're just stuck in one area and other things are going great, but there's always one area that you're stuck in. He wants you to have a full life. It is the promise of John 10, 10. I've come that you would have life abundant and full. And so on your journey, God wants to move you on your journey. And this has been a, a series. I, I love a fall series where we kind of get back to the basics. You know, just the meat and potatoes, like the real foundational things in your life. And we've looked at some truths in scripture on the journey that will get you going, get you moving. First one was that you've just, you got to give something up. We normally call that repentance. We talked about baptism. So beautiful to see uh, Elaine today. Sweet lady here at our church. Awesome to see her baptized. Her small group leader, Sunday school teacher, John Young, an elder here at this church, uh, they're performing that baptism and in that moment and this is a woman in her 80s who said, I think I was two. I don't remember it. I want to do it for my own. I want to know it. I want to remember that time. I want to be obedient to Jesus. And so we talked about baptism and how for a lot of us, it's something that gets us moving on the journey. I think it is foundational. If you've tried everything else and you're like, well, I want to get stuff fixed before I do that. I'm not ready for that. I'm telling you, if you've got a pulse and you've not been obedient to baptism, you're ready. All right, that's what you gotta do to be ready. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of the living God? If you answer yes to that, you're ready. You're ready. I mean, I, it's a big deal because our, our journeys, we get stuck. And some of these, these milestone moments, they, they might be difficult, but they're simple to understand and giving something up and baptism and then biblical community. We talk, we've talked about that. These things are building on one another. Biblical community matters. To, to come and repent and give something up in your life and be obedient to baptism and then say, check mark, I'm off with the rest of my life. I did the church thing. That won't work. It doesn't happen that way. Biblical community and repentance and baptism. Today, we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to a topic that we could have put these topics in any order, but I really feel like for us as a church, hey, the Holy Spirit knew and God knows in your life that this is the topic for today. We're going to talk about the Word of God, the Word of God. And on your journey, the Word of God is so important. It's so crucial. One of my heroes. I mentioned this preacher many times, Charles Spurgeon. He's called by some the prince of preacher, preachers. His sermons would be printed 
in London, and you could get the London Times, and you could get, on Monday, Charles Spurgeon's sermon. He, he didn't write them out word for word. Stenographers would go to the church that he preached at, and they would write down every single word, and they would rush off to the newspapers, and they would print them. And for 38 years, you could get, on, on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, on the way to work, you could pick up the newspaper and Sunday's sermon. He, he preached for 38 years at New Park Street Chapel. And he would, he would preach to crowds of people and folks would come out and he really was a part of the, the nation changing. And a lot of people would say, well, Mr. Spurgeon, what is it about your preaching? What is it that allows you to be so consistent year after year? And so many people will come and hear you. And he unapologetically, time after time, he said this, I have no content. It is the word of God. We open the word of God. We read the word of God. We cling to the word of God. We study the word of God. We live on the word of God. This is what we do. I love his famous quote. He said, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose. It'll defend itself. Woo! Right? I like it. Sometimes you're like, well, we got to make the word of God cool. Well, we got to make the word of God relevant. Well, we got to make the word of God real to people. No, we don't. The word of God does that all by itself. When we circle up here on Sunday and, you know, sometimes at 7.15 at 8 o'clock when the band gets here and all the room is empty and half, half people are sick, you know, <laughs> got kids sick, our pets' heads are falling off, you know, it's like rough and we're like, oh, how are we going to do it today? How are we going to like make church great? I'm like, we're not. We're going to open up the word of God. You know what's going to happen? The lion's going to get let loose. The word of God, there's powerful. So friends, today... Amen, amen. I got some questions. I think they're questions that we all have. Question number one, this. What is the Bible? The Bible's so important to my journey and I need the Bible to get moving and get, what is it? What is the Bible? Matthew 24, verse 35 says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, the words of Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything that you see will go away, but my words will not pass away. Can I tell you what has happened since the time of Jesus? Kingdoms have come and kingdoms have gone, but the word of God is still here and we read it every Sunday and people are building their lives on it. The Bible is, what is the Bible? The Bible is everlasting. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God, the word of God is forever. I was recently accepting an award at an event with my dear friend, uh, Patrick, and an organization that him and I love to serve at and serve in a community and uh, do this every now and then. It's not because of anything that I've done or a board member has done, but we're on behalf of Generations Christian Church and some work that we've done at a local organization. I accepted an award. It's not a faith-based organization, but they do great things in our city. So I had prepared some remarks. Uh, I love preaching on Sundays. I love when the, the church comes together, but if... Every now and then, if, if I had the chance, I, I'd rather preach to a bunch of people that showed up and they wanted nothing but a sermon. I love, it's fun. It really is just fun. And so I was like anxious. I was ready to go. Um, I was ready. It was a dinner party. It was a swanky event. I'll say that. That's how I describe it. You know, everyone's looking really nice and they're serving drinks and there's a, there's a band and they're going to raise a bunch of money to do good work. And they come over to me and they're like, okay, Mr. Scott, uh, when you receive the award, uh, you're, you're going to get your picture taken and then just step right down off the stage. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't get a talk. So 
They're like, no, uh, reward recipients never talk. I'm like, have you ever given one to a preacher? <laughs> like, I'm, am I the first preacher you've ever given? Because I'm like, I'm, I, get, I, I, got, I got dressed up for this. Like, I'm talking. Come on. We got we to talk. So finally, you know, we worked it. We, we get to do a prayer. I'm like, well, can we pray before? Okay, we'll let you pray. We worked all that out. And um, someone comes over to me and she's like, hey, listen, thank you for praying. Um, it's in the schedule now. Uh, when you pray, if you could not mention the name of Jesus. I know, I know, I know. Because there's all kinds of people of different faith and stuff. And it's like, I, I said, I was, <laughs> I was a little bit taken back. And so I said, so you want a powerless prayer? You want, you, you want just an incantation, right? Because there's no power if you have no access. And the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, the name of Jehovah, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, that name. I'm like, you want to, which one of his names do you want me not to say? He's got 10,000. Like, I didn't, I just figured they didn't know all the names. So I said, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm like, man, if I would have had some time, I would have like, you know, I would have like, I said 9,999 names, but I didn't say Jesus, right? Yeah, I, got... I, I didn't realize it, but I said the name that God uses for himself, and we sang it today. It was in, it was in our songs. I said, I want to call today upon the name of the God of Moses, the God who declared himself the first time as I am. And the God who declared himself the second time as I am. And that God who is coming again. See, there's something about the word of God. You want to know what it is? The word of God is self-authenticating. Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jonah, Micah, and Ezekiel all claim to have a word from God over 3,000 times. The Bible itself claims to be the word of God. In a court of law, you are able to self-confess, to, to self-testify, and the Bible testifies that it is self-authenticating. Jesus in John 8, 58 stands before the Sanhedrin, and he said to them, truly I say to you, before Abraham ever was, I am the Bible is self-authenticating. The Bible is everlasting. The Bible is the word of God. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul writes, Whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Like, what is the Bible? The Bible's everlasting. The Bible's self-authenticating. But the Bible is the word of God. It's encouragement. It's hope. And it was written for our instruction. The Bible is Jesus. What is the Bible? The Bible is Jesus. In John 1, 1, John declares right at the very beginning of his gospel, he says, in, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was was God. In verse 14 of his opening chapter, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love Hebrews 1.3. The beginning of Hebrews is this book is written to those who are of a Jewish faith, and he's trying to plead with them that Jesus is the Messiah. He says this, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation 
of his being. I, if you are a Bible writer, right, it's, I don't think it's wrong to circle, underline, and write on the margins, okay? Don't change verses, but do that. Circle that. He is the full, exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The Bible is Jesus. The Bible is Jesus. This is why they killed him. It was, they didn't kill him for healing people. They didn't kill him for letting the kids come and play with them. They didn't kill him for being nice to people he shouldn't have been nice to. They killed him because he claimed to be the word of God. Jesus is the Bible. So the Bible is everlasting. The Bible is self-authenticating. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is Jesus. And the Bible is this, dear friends. The Bible for you is light on your journey. I'm reminded of the famous 1980s song by, uh, was it Amy Grant? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 439 times in the Bible, light is mentioned. 439 times. Light means hope. Light means salvation. Light means knowledge. Light stands for purity in all of these verses. So what is the Bible? The Bible is light for your journey. The Bible is Jesus. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is self-authenticating. And the Bible is everlasting. So who wrote it? A lot of people ask that. They want to get really detailed. Who wrote the Bible? Logan's going to get baptized in second service today. I'm real excited about that. Uh, Logan's family has attended this church for years. And, uh, every, you know, he'll come at Christmas or Easter, you know, pound knuckles. Hey, Logan, what's up? It's not against the church. He's not a part of it. He, he would consider himself someone who follows Jesus, knows Jesus, and believes in Jesus, but he's never been obedient to baptism. He felt like he wasn't ready. And there was some dissonance in his life, and he had some intellectual issues with the Word of God. How do we know it's true? I sat with Logan out here in the patio a couple weeks ago, and we spent a long time going through how the Bible was brought together and some of the archaeology and some of the facts that you can also Google and spend some time in apologetics and understanding the miracle of what this word was. And today, Logan is going to confess Jesus as his Lord and Savior and be obedient to baptism in second service. And I think it's awesome when we come to God on an intellectual basis and say, I want to know for certain that what you wrote is actually from you. There's some things I would want you to know about the word of God. It's got 40 human authors, five we don't know their names, written in three languages. Over a span of 1,500 years, the 66 books we call the Bible came into existence. More than half of this book was written hundreds of years before Jesus. The Bible was written to our English language less than 1,000 years ago. Famous theologian John Riches says this about the Word of God. The Bible texts were produced over a period in which the living conditions of the writers were political, culturally, economically, and ecologically varied on enormous levels. There are texts which reflect nomadic existence, texts from people who with an established monarchy and temple cult, texts from an exiled people, texts born out of fierce oppression by foreign rulers, 
There are, there are courtly texts. There are texts from wandering charismatic preachers. There are texts from those who give themselves an air of sophistication of Hellenistic writers. It is a time span that the Bible's written in which encompasses the compositions of these other antiquity writers. Homer, Plato, 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 huh? Aristotle, Sophocles, I'm going to mess all these up. I'm, I'm, I'm used to reading, you know, Greek and Hebrew guys, not out of this. Caesar, Cicero, Catullus. It's a period in which we see the, the rise and the fall of the Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire, and Alexander's campaigns, the rise of Rome, the domination of the Mediterranean the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, the extension of Rome all the way to rural parts of Scotland. All of this happens while the word of God is written. And when we look at the totality of it, I will stand on this one truth. There's not one mistake in the whole word of God. Now there's a lot of people like, well, what about this one area? Here, here's my rule about talking about the word of God. I won't talk about 10 things at one time. I'll talk about one thing at one time and we'll have an intellectual conversation about one discrepancy that someone thinks they have in the Bible. I believe that there is not one error in the entire word of God. And it was written in that really long description I just gave you. Hundreds of years of empires, of people that are so different from one another, that come from different backgrounds, different languages, different cultures. And when you put it all together, it's impossible to stand back and say that that wasn't divinely given to us by a real God who cares for us. See, the Bible is by far and away the world's best seller. By 1932, it's computed that one billion copies have been distributed throughout the world. It's clear that someone exists who has a prophetic message for humanity to hear. By the 1960s, it was estimated that 2 billion copies were published. Currently, we believe that there are 3 to 4 billion copies in circulation. No other book is even close. It's translated into over 1,000 languages, representing 90% of the world's population. And our friends in Orlando at Wycliffe are trying to close that gap to every language. They think they're within 20 to 30 years, that every known language. It sounds a little bit like the book of Revelation, right? Someone from every tongue and every tribe and every nation will bow and say, you are the son of God. It's happening maybe in our lifetime. Throughout the centuries, there have been enemies who have tried to destroy the Bible. Voltaire, the French philosopher, he's a skeptic, and he predicted in the 18th century that the Bible and Christianity would be obsolete. Well, in 1828, 50 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society was using his press and his house to publish Bibles. <laughs> Second Peter 1.21 says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God wrote the Bible. God miraculously inspired people, protected the message, and delivered the Bible throughout all time and to you today in every single hotel room in America. He's trying to get his message to you. The existence of the Bible today is a miracle that I put right on par with the fact that Jesus Christ left heaven and came and dwelt among us. And he is still dwelling among us because his word is alive and it speaks to you. 
it speaks to you. So here's the ending. What do we do with the Bible? What do we do with the Bible? Hosea chapter four, verse six. When I looked at this series and I thought about all of us being on a journey, I thought of my, my kids and my wife and I and the, the journey that we're on and some of you that I, I know personally, and I'm thinking about our journeys. I was drawn to this verse. I've used it in messages before. It's, it's a verse that stops me in my tracks. Maybe you've heard it. Hosea the prophet says, my people are destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. My people, are, their lives are ruined. They have no hope. Why? Because they don't have internet. No. They don't have the iPhone 28. Siri's not working. No, 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 that's not why. The reason that, that people's lives are without hope is because they're lacking the knowledge of who God is. So what do I do with the Bible? Matthew 4, 4. Listen to what Jesus says about what we do with the Bible. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What do we do with the Bible? We consume it. What do we do with the Bible? We obey it. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. What do we do with the word of God? We obey it. We consume it and we store it up. We store up the word of God. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might sin, not sin against you. You have a sin in your life. You've got something you can't get over. And you go back to Jesus time and time again. And you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, well, how, well, how does this stop? The word of God gives us incredible counseling information. It says, here's how we stop that. We store up the word of God and we do that and it's in our heart. The lion of the word of God, the weapon that is the word of God, it will fight that off. Some of us are defenseless to sin. We are living lives where we have no defense against sin because the word of God is not stored up in us. We store it up, we obey it, we consume it. And friends, you gotta arm yourself with it. What do you do with the Bible? Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Can you imagine going through life without any light, without any weapons, without any offense, without any hope, without any encouragement? That's what it's like to be on a journey without the Word of God. What do you do with the Bible? You consume it, you memorize it, you dwell on it. You abide in it, you repeat it, you sing it, you pray it, you meditate it, you journal it, you write, write it on your heart. You sew it in your clothes, you bind it to your arms, you teach it to your children, you chant it, you quote it back to scoffers. That's what you do with the Bible. You do so nicely though, and sometimes in your heart. You believe in it, you share it, you proclaim it, you stand on it, you build on it, you build your life on it, you hope on it, you count on it, you bet on it, you tithe on it, you live on it, you plan on it, you rest on it, you wake up to it, you go to sleep on it, you talk about it, you wonder about it, you study it, you yearn for it, you confess it, you depend upon it. What do you do with the Bible? You build your life on it. I want to close today. I want to ask if you would just stand as we close. I want to give you just a reminder. Dear, dear friends, I get Monday morning. Man, I get it. 
You've got some things that are waiting for you as you walk out to this service. You've got a text on your phone right now. You felt it. You felt it in your pocket. You're like, I know who that is. They're going to wait. But they are waiting, right? You're afraid to check your email. You don't want to check the real mail, that's for sure. You're afraid to answer the door. You got stuff coming at you. Like, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. The word of God in your life will actively help you with what you have right now that's a major problem. Because some of us, we walk into a situation where we're like, I don't know how to deal with this. You don't. If you don't know how to deal with it, you don't think of four or five verses right away, then I'm going to tell you what, you don't know how to deal with it. I got some stuff that I'm trying to deal with and I step into it and I've got people in my lives. My wife is one of them, dear friends. And I say, here is issue. And they go, word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God. How do you answer someone? And verses, 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 verses. And the word of God will help you navigate relationships at work, help you navigate difficulty with family, help you navigate the brokenness that's in you because there's so much anger. The word of God, it's given to us. You don't need Jesus to show up and talk to you. He will, just like this. The song says, I trust in God. I called upon him. What did he do? He answered. So dear friends, in the book of Genesis, the word of God spoke this planet into existence. The power was in his word. If the Bible is the light of God and you don't have the Bible, then you have no light. Get the light in your life. If the Bible is a weapon against sin and a sword in your hand and you don't have the Bible, then you are without agency. You are without weapons. You are without protection. Get a weapon. Get some protection. Get some direction. The book of Proverbs says that the law of God is perfect. It revives your soul. 11 times it says that the Word of God is a shield. Don't go into this week without a shield. Why? Because there's arrows coming at you. You need a shield. Shield up. Psalm 119 says it stops us from sinning. It keeps a young man's way pure. It is upright. It is faithfulness. It gives understanding to the simple. It is a hiding place. Matthew 7 says to build your life on it. 2 Timothy says it's profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for every good work. You got some good works to do, friend? The Bible will help you do good works. John 1 says it is full of grace and truth. John 7 says it makes rivers of life come out of your heart. John 8 says it will make you free. John 15 says it cleans you. Isaiah 55 says the word of God goes out and it does not return empty. And everything he says to accomplish